0: Hello, folks. We're back for another Squiggly Film Club, episode 20, I believe. My goodness, oh, the oh. weeks go by so quickly. I'm Ben Mitchell, joined as ever by Laura Beth Cowley and Steve Henderson. Hi, gang. Hello.
1: Wes Foo-Hall. Yeah. So- That's middle English for hello. I've done, a, I've done a Google. I had a Google just to get into the character of today's winning film. It's like we were transported back in time.
0: Oh, yes. Well, if you, if you um, haven't deduced from those fiendish clues, the winning film this week was The Canterbury Tales, which I believe uh, kicked out, what was it, Fears of the
1: Dark? Yeah. Fears of the Dark, yeah.
2: It was a tough one for me because it, it put against my two loves, The Canterbury Tales and horror in animation, but... No one really seems to like Fears of the Dark that much,
0: but they have a chance. I don't know no, if it's really, no really come up that much. Like it,
2: it's something that people always forget about. It's something I would like to talk about at some point, but it's it was kind of a blip thing.
0: Yeah, I think this film has earned more of a place in the mm. the annals of animation films.
2: I think it's because everyone and their mum worked on this film. <laughs>
0: that helps. That helps. Right. Uh, before we proceed, I think there's some business we need to attend to.
1: Hmm. We've got a whole list of films that have not quite made it, including Fears of the Dark. Um, so we've got Fantastic Mr. Fox, Frank and Weenie, Animal Farm, uh, *Comic Quest or uh, The Adventures of... Uh, What's-His-Face? Mustache Guy. Uh, Hotel Transylvania, When the Wind Blows, A Liar's Autobiography and Fears of the Dark. So we've got to put all those against each other in a big playoff. So uh, every day for the next week... We'll be putting up against one another and having a semi-finals and then a big final. And then this time next week, we'll be pressing play on one of those films. Um, will it be next week? Let's take a little break.
0: Okay. Maybe
2: the week after next.
0: Yeah, week after next.
1: Well, all right, Fair enough. Give people,
0: you know, a chance to, to compose themselves <laughs> after all the excitement of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, fair enough. We don't want them writing in the streets, do we? Right. So how how would you like us to proceed? So uh, before the show, we randomly selected four uh, films each. And so uh, we've got their names in a hat on little tiny pieces of paper. Hopefully, probably, maybe. Or maybe we're just using the random number generator on the internet. Who knows? um, To generate uh, which films are going up against each other. So I'll pick one on my side of Skype. You pick one on your side of Skype. Okie dokie. Cool. So the first film... On my list is Fears of the Dark.
0: And that is going up against
1: Hotel Transylvania. How apropos. Ah. And the next film I have is Fantastic Mr. Fox. And at
0: our end it is
1: Animal Farm. That's eerie. That is eerie. This is making better sense than we when we put them together. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the fates know.
1: So the next one I have is When the Wind Blows. Uh, up against that is Frankenweenie. Yeah. Uh,
0: nah. Not, not quite as thematic. I one. wonder which one will win. That that dog has been kicked about I mean, it's very one. apt. <laughs> I suppose
1: so. He's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so that leaves uh, Comic Quest with The Lies Autobiography, which if you think about, it, they're both trilogies. Not trilogies, anthologies. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and big liars as well, so that's good. Perfect. Fantastic. So uh, that puts uh, just to go over that again: Fears of the Dark versus Hotel Transylvania, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox versus Animal Farm, Frank and Weenie versus When the Wind Blows, and Comic Quest versus A Liar's Autobiography. Right on.
0: Coolio's. Well,
1: so that's uh, that's gotten everyone in a froth, I am
0: sure. Let's <laughs> watch this one Let's watch The Canterbury Tales So this is a f- film slash series. It's essentially a film, I suppose So yeah. we're going to be watching it episodically Because I'm pretty sure that's the way most people would be able to find it I'm not actually sure if it exists as one uninterrupted mm. thing So we'll be doing three countdowns Triple your pleasure, folks uh, Shall we start the first one? Let's go In three Three Two Two one, one play all right,
2: all right,
0: all right. and
1: away we go
2: terrifying straight right off, off the, the bat, bat.
1: Ah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> get <laughs> away
1: <You> guys <laughs> live together sh- too long
0: we're the shining twins at this point
2: <laughs> <laughs> so when was the first time you watched the Canterbury Tales the animated anthology
1: I can't remember um, that
2: horse is well weird
1: I was probably uh, too old for it to be one of those fixtures when it's raining in the playground, so they just stick a video on, and this is on the video. Um, I don't, I can't actually remember the first time I watched it. I think I might have watched it as part of my PhD research because we had quite a lot of uh, materials from the uh, Tales of the World, which were done in conjunction with Christmas films, which uh, animated what we're currently watching. The uh, the Pilgrim's bits.
0: Mm-hmm. How about yourself, Laura?
2: Uh, I watched it in school because I was in the very, very low set of English, so that meant they didn't bother trying to teach us. They just put a video on.
0: <laughs> I had a teacher like that. All of my teachers were like that. We weren't like the remedials. We were just pieces of shit. And so he was so aghast at having to spend time with us that we would be halfway through a book and he would just give up and then not teach us for a few weeks and just put on Gulliver's Travels, the adaptation.
2: My worst thing was that I loved English because I wanted to be a writer when I was that age. So it was like textbook like trauma of school with me of like... Ah, you want to be a writer, but you're dumb. So get in the box with the others that are like licking their, trying to lick their elbow for an hour and a half and watch uh, the Canterbury Sales. This is the one video I remember being shown in school that I was like, okay, this is fine. I'm okay with this. But I've always loved Chaucer. I've had various projects like throughout my education where I had to do something to do with Chaucer. I've seen the play, I've read the book. (laughs) It's a, it's a, keen favorite of mine
1: that's good to hear when you read the I, book was it like in old English or how is it how does it read does it read like Shakespeare does it read like is it is it easy to understand
2: it's not as annoying as Shakespeare yeah um, it is ye oldie but it's not horrifyingly annoying it it benefits from the fact in a similar way that the the film version does that it's funny mm. um, and that Chaucer was a funny person and not up his own ass quite as much mm. <laughs> maybe but it yeah no it's good I think is this the chicken film yeah I had to do it. I did a print project based on this chicken film
0: is that there's prints in the kitchen yeah yeah I can see that That's a little visual reference for the podcast listeners at home <laughs> I'll
2: dig it out from my blog you can have a look
1: yeah, so we're straight into the first tale, the Nun Priest's Tale. And if you're listening to this, uh, well, not listening to this podcast, you can. Uh, it's Sean Bean, doing his best uh, Sean Bean.
2: Rooster impression. Yeah, I really love this one. Who did this one? Uh,
1: this was uh, uh, AKA Pizzazz, who are now known as Studio AKA.
2: Ah, well, that one make sense. Yeah, it's directed by.
1: Ashley Potter,
0: nice one, Ashley.
1: Mm. <laughs> you doing your Sean Bean there? Sure, why not? What? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, Roger Mainwood who uh, was co-director of development on this, was uh, he, We've done his. We've done his film. So yeah, he was the director of uh, Ethel and Ernest that we did a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, he worked on that. You see some names, some real names, pop up in these films. Made up names, although all names are made up, but you know what I mean.
0: Familiar faces what mm.
1: is the in name form
2: style they're going for here. Is it stained glass or is it just old print
1: style? I'd say it's a mix of the two. It looks it looks stained glass, but mm. it could it's be a very
2: lino cut mm. feel to it, but also like um what's the type of printing where you put the paper on the ink and you draw directly on it?
1: Yeah that type. You right. described it better than the name could.
2: Lithograph maybe. I feel like that's wrong.
0: I, I, it really? does it does feel printed.
2: Yeah, yeah. as a print texture, doesn't it?
0: Well also yeah, the sort of the, sh- the approach to the shapes are a little bit stained glass windowy. But
2: I guess well, if you're doing like wood prints and lino and stuff it is tends to be very linear.
0: Yeah, sort of the, the way the forms are kind of constructed
1: and
2: it reminds me a bit of uh, Secret of Kells
1: yeah it's that uh, art direction isn't it it's the the way that there's very little in terms of perspective in the backgrounds
2: or it's like a kind of fake force perspective or the perspective of
0: this background in particular
2: yeah old worldies perspective Mm. where everything you know what they were going for but it's technically wrong
0: yeah Technically wrong, but stylistically very appealing.
2: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: A very uh, (laughs) seductive pose.
2: I think these would always be films that I'd want to show, like undergrads in the first like month or week of being in in uni. Because I think every single one of the shorts is a great example of how to make a short form project. And, like, how to work within a style guide and how to work with shots and framing and make it work.
1: Mm. I think as a series as well, it's a great premise. Yes, you know, bookend, yeah. bookend with some stop motion and then, you know, farm out the, the rest of the animation to, to other studios. Uh, and you get some real unique stuff. And I don't think... Well, I don't know if, if any of these could have sustained... Um, a full hour and a half well i'll tell you what i would have i could easily watch joanna quinn's for an hour and a half but um it's nice to have that variety i think i think that's what i'm going from not putting any of them down too much but it's nice to have that variety to be able to to go from story to story and it gives gives each story a character as well
2: yeah it's something i'd like to see a lot more just like adaptions of classic works but with lots of different styles of animation and
0: well, it puts me a little bit in mind of a, a newer film, it's probably about five or six years old now, uh, called *The Prophet*, which kind mm-hmm. of similarly, it's culturally, a sort of different sort of slice no, of life. Yeah, but, yeah, same premise. You know, it has this binding um, through line, which I wasn't. I wasn't super keen on the CG story that kind of holds it all together, but the individual segments that were. Uh, it out to various directors who, you know, very much gave it their own look. Um, mm. That stuff was lovely. Like, really, really And I, I do like that kind of um, I think it's a great way to put a film together. To an extent, also, The, the Liars Autobiography did that a bit, you know. It had it didn't quite hold together in the same way or kind of convene at a sort of familiar through line in the way that these films do. But, you know, some of those art styles are really, really nice. Um, not all of them were. You know, my cup of tea, personally. But the strong bits worked really well. And I, I like, I guess for the same reason I'm, I'm big on short film showcases and, you know, festival programs. I, I like that sort of diversity. It's quite entertaining.
2: I really love mm. an anthology because it it's a way of giving short films a really good platform and being able to, like, get it out there in a more traditional length um rather than having to make something feature, because I feel like that's always like the the kind of like trajectory possibly more in live action but that you work on like you do a bunch of shorts and then you make a feature film which isn't always that possible in animation like some people do get to do that and some people do do that but it's, it's a lot harder um and so doing an anthology seems like a much more achievable way of doing that. Hmm. Yeah. Jesus Christ, this guy is creepy. <laughs> these puppets are really quite terrifying.
0: <laughs> what was the yeah. stop-motion operation behind these guys?
1: Uh, so this is Christmas Films uh, in, f- from Moscow. So oh. it's uh, Ida Zyaglikova. Ignore the pause. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so they those are the guys that did um, uh, like Shakespeare the animated series. They did animated tales of the world. So one of the f- one of these uh, a Russian animation studio that that looked outside of Russia to for collaborations and created some amazing work uh, along the way.
0: Oh, there you
1: go. Hmm. So second story is again. Uh, by, this is The Knight's Tale uh, and this is again by uh, AKA Pizzazz or Studio AKA and this is uh, Dave uh, Antrobus and uh, Mick Graves When did they change their name from AKA Pizzazz? Well they were they were originally just called Pizzazz Pictures weren't they? Ah, it, it was evolution. Eric Goldberg Yeah it was Eric Goldberg from Disney who set it up um, and then I think Aka pizzazz, and then obviously studio. Aka,
2: is to do the oddman thing of bumping themselves up the name ladder. <laughs> so they start with an A, and then they realise that's hey. not very
0: intuitive to do it the other way. If you go from Aka pizzazz to studio Aka, then you're further down the list.
2: Maybe they just felt like Aka pizzazz doesn't make any sense.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> well, the studio Aka. Well, it makes really, more when you think of what Aka means, then. as a
2: Yeah, but it makes more sense than A.K.A. Pizazz.
0: Well, we're talking about it quite a
1: lot, so they must be doing something right.
2: So, you're (laughs) saying it, and we're talking about it, but (laughs) then it must be true.
1: It's finally paying off that naming convention.
2: I really like this one as well. I like all of them, but I really like this one as well. It has a very uh, Fantasia feel about it. Mm. Once again, really a great example of using great, like, lovely little bits of animation but sort of making it easier on yourself by not having it be, like, every single shot has, like, a million different set pieces and everything has to be overly designed.
0: It's sort of a, a it's kind of like UPA meets TSB. What's TSB? The, uh, the bank ads they do. Oh. You know yeah.
2: Anime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the gods, though. I like anything, though, with, like, a God's arguing <laughs>
1: so. I, d- I don't know if you remember the orange adverts that used to be on before you when you went to the cinema like uh, I'm talking ten years ago, maybe fifteen um and they were primarily orange obviously that um, that was some that was something that these guys directed and it's it's very similar like you say like you know like the TSB ads you saying
0: hmm. well I imagine I'd probably recognize them. You'll Is be it?
1: transported back.
0: Yeah. Well, 10, 15 years ago was like yesterday to me. Now, <laughs> was, good lord, it all spins by quicker and quicker as we hurtle toward the
1: inevitable. So. Jesus. Yeah, thanks for that. It's my birthday tomorrow. <laughs> Just
0: watch the film, Ben. You know, it's Well, you've still got time, Ben. That might <laughs> stab of <Misery>. adorable bit. Min- <laughs> Well, we've let the Laura Beth depressing factoid trend of the podcast slide.
2: I don't have any for this
0: one. So I need to fill in the gap.
1: I've got a depressing fact.
2: Excellent.
1: Geoffrey Chaucer is now dead.
2: Oh.
0: How did he die?
1: Of of old timey death. He died of the plague or something.
0: You gotta Google it. He got a cut or a scrape, and back then that was a death sentence.
1: <laughs> he walked past a nettle, and that was it.
0: There's an always Ashley Baker Davis quality to this as well. Like, not so much the TV shows, but like the older films. Mm. Like Hill Farm. That kind of everything in profile look, but moving quite uh, fluidly. Yeah, I can see that. What was the one with the pirates?
1: Yeah, Jolly Roger.
0: Yeah. I like that one. Not enough to remember the name, but (laughs) I I liked it. (laughs) Just trying to keep things positive.
1: Yeah, this is a good film. But yeah, I mean, these were made... Around, around about the sort of time that you know British animation was was really on a high, and here we got this collaboration with with Russia, and you've uh, you've got all these fantastic animation studios getting involved.
0: What well, year was it? Like
1: Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight. Yeah.
0: I didn't know if I would have automatically associated that year with British animation being on a high. What else was going on?
1: All the other films in this anthology, Ben, that's what's going on.
0: Uh, the film basically carried the British television. <laughs> I remember stressed Eric yeah. was around this sort of time. How can you forget? How indeed. Oh, uh, we've got onto some hardcore nudity now. Bottoms.
1: Where's the slide whistle that we had really earlier on when we were doing this podcast? <laughs> 15 podcasts ago.
0: That was the other thing about, like, being kind of left to watch adaptations of books when the teacher would give up, is quite often, like, they wouldn't necessarily be kid-friendly. We were, like, 13, 14, and mm-hmm. you'd put on Manon of the Spring and then leave, and it's just a Emmanuel Bear dancing around in a crick with her bottoms off. We're like, this is the best day of our lives. <laughs> then a not-quite-as-fun day was when we watched the adaptation of 1984 starring John Hurt which has one of the most uncomfortable sex scenes in any film um that was just yeah that wasn't as fun a day
2: I think we were once (laughs) made to watch the like Romeo and Juliet film but like the one with uh Leonardo DiCaprio
1: okay
2: I remember thinking this is not historically accurate I don't think... Yeah, I
1: remember we we watched that, and I was like, I don't get it. It's nothing like this boring old text that you're making us watch. This is just crazy. What's going on?
2: This is not the book. I hope this yeah. doesn't come up in my like, SATs because I will fail.
0: <laughs> I it was a, My memory of that was that it was, like, very faithful to the text. It was, was just it? that they were wearing modern clothes. Mm, maybe. I thought the whole gimmick of that was that they didn't change any of the dialogue so they're all walking around in like 90s garb but they're talking in you know Shakespearean patter as authentically as the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio and John Leguizamo could muster.
2: Me and Steve clearly had a nap in that one.
1: Yeah it wasn't beat for beat though was it? When they're going around with like guns instead of swords and cutting out bits and all that lot yeah, it wasn't I mean, a fish I, tank in Shakespeare. Let's queue
0: it up for the next uh, film club. <laughs> Clear, I mean, clearly it didn't make a huge mark on... Uh, I'm, I'm probably just confusing it with a completely different film. Slightly, slightly closer to the original play than West Side Story. Yeah. Slightly. I guess also, because in the original play... She's like a kid, isn't she? Or well, they both are kids? Yeah, they're like 15. This comes up in Upstart 14. Crow quite a lot is just how actually problematic Shakespeare's writing is. Like, he's kind a of a nod. <laughs> Dad, you're
2: being a right pervert. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> Come on, <duh. laughs> I like that show a lot. It's,
1: a, it's, a, it's well, I was going to say it's interesting, but I. I I shouldn't really, because it's it's quite boring. But obviously, back then uh, things were different. I'm not justifying it, obviously. But um, there's I'm reading a book at the moment. Uh, Ian Mortimer's uh, A Time Traveler's Guide to Medieval England, and it's just something that I was just reading for fun. How old are you I tomorrow, fun. Steve? Uh, I'm three million years old.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm 82.
1: I'm 82. I'm reading a book for fun. Um, yeah, cuz uh, that's what's happened that's what happens when you get to you uh, you, you get to be boring. and that, that's full of like interesting stuff about well, interesting to a sad old man like me <laughs> uh, about how uh, how things worked back then and um, You know, how people would marry off young because you were going to die by the time you were 15. So you you had to get married off quickly. So, you know, your father-in-law could inherit that chicken. You know, it's all that sort of stuff. Yeah, we're coming up to um, the wife of Bath. She's ready to tell her tale.
2: Oh, I'm, what, do you remember there was also like a BBC live action adaption of this as well? Hmm. I remember, recent, wasn't it? Oh, it was still a little while ago. It was like the 90s still. Oh, okay. But I remember being... We watched that as well, and that was weird. Why? Just a lot of very classic British actors in it. It was good, but it was just strange. I just remember the Wife of Bath being like not who you'd think it would be and I can't remember who it was but
1: so we're going into The Wife of Bath's Tale Joanna Quinn unmistakable another another good thing about these well we said earlier on obviously is you get this incredible variety and um, here we are we've gone from something with slight computer uh, nuances to it to something done entirely on paper
0: and it fits in very well.
1: Mm. All things into, Like, it's quite a sort of refreshing vibe.
0: After that, I think the. Because uh, the, they're not, you know, long episodes, necessarily. And I don't want to um, disparage the very talented Russian team behind the stop motion. But that particular style of stop motion, I, I think it, it helps if it's broken up a little bit from time to time great puppetry, great craftsmanship but there's something about the movement and it's a little clunky Um, Mm. so it's quite nice to kind of you know, have it in segments rather than necessarily you know, being a big thing that takes up the bulk of the film Um,
1: This
2: is also such a Joanna Quinn story Yeah Like it feels like she wrote it
0: Hmm It fits in very well with her filmography mm. like i think this stands alone as a kind of you know you don't need to watch the rest of the no, film necessarily yeah. to you know enjoy this i mean that can because... be said about quite a few of the segments <laughs>
1: <so>. <laughs> it's only the best told as well i yeah. think in terms of what she's doing now with uh, you know what people say what 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 women want um and it's it's, it's, it's going backwards and forwards, and it's just really, really well animated. You could just watch that line move around all day, couldn't you? Um, I I sent a, a, a quick message to her, and she sent me a, a, a message about the film. And um, uh, Rather than playing out the message, because uh, she was out of breath because she ran back to the house to record it <laughs> rather than type it out um, – I was rather late. My fault. Sorry, Joanna. Um, but yeah, she, she, she liked this because it took her out of a comfort zone because it wasn't the type of thing that she would usually do. because uh, there's not a great deal of, of humor in it. You know, she's, she's usually known for the type of thing which, you know, Beryl is, is primarily a comedy. Um, and you think about things that she'd have done earlier, she'd have done famous Fred and things like that. Uh, but yeah, she loved she she loved the drawing. She loved the, being able to draw, especially the the hag character. Uh, that was a particular favourite as well. Um, and it's amazing about this one as well. She was saying, and I, I never considered it. Is that it's all done on one one piece of paper? There's no kind of separate backgrounds or anything. It's all done directly onto the paper. So exactly how uh, a couple of years ago, Rich Williams did uh, Prologue, um, and how the earliest animators did everything. On uh, all on a single sheet of paper, I think Gertie the dinosaur was done like that so Windsor McKay would draw Gertie and then his background artist would draw the backgrounds. Um, yeah, so it's traditional.
0: Isn't that the case with
1: all or most of her films? Um, well, I think if you watch the first barrel, it's a lot of grease pencil, isn't it? And and uh, painted back, painted, and it's done on so cells. The first
0: backgrounds for those.
1: Yeah, okay. I think I, I, even, I even think Body Beautiful is as well. Thinking because I think I've seen cells of it in the National Media Museum in Bradford. Mm. And she also told us a little bit about the the process as well because apparently this uh, entire, um, this entire series has an incredible cast uh, so you have like um, Bill Nighy and Robert Lindsay and you know Bob Peck and David Troughton and Imelda Staunton and all these kind of big names um, at least for television and theatre and stuff apparently well according and Joanna all the voices were recorded in one go and so all the actors were in a single room and every time it was their turn they'd walk up to the single microphone and say their bit and that sounds that sounds really kind of well, it sounds very actuary doesn't it it sounds very kind of like like it's a stage play or something like that
0: i'm just absolutely entranced by the hag yeah like this is so just satisfying to watch mm. you know and it work it's so perfectly matched as a character to her line work because it just sort of works with the kind of jowls and the wrinkles and there's so much expressiveness with every syllable, um, you know. Just she throws the face into it. It's wonderful. I'm having a little look at um, Body Beautiful now, and I think I was confused because there's like a boil that's kind of ever present, and I think I uh, mm. I think that had thrown me, but I was mostly looking at the uh, the character work. And there are a few bits where it's like doing camera work with the backgrounds in that kind of, you know, um, labour-intensive way. Anyway, I'm missing (laughs) the sensual part of the film. You actually did, like, a talk about this um, a while ago, didn't
1: you?
2: Yeah, quite a long time ago now, about five, six years ago.
1: Mm. About the country tales or about the wife of Bath? Um,
0: it
2: was the one I did in a field <laughs> About oh, animation and yeah,
1: sex yeah. And I used
2: um, That sequence As an ex- a good example of how uh, It can be Used mm-hmm. To tell Stories creatively but also Sort of like although that is Sexual and it's Somewhat erotic it's It sort of avoids a lot of needless like pornographic imagery um like we said like we were like teachers were perfectly fine with showing this to us in school because they're like ah it's animated yeah (laughs) um and like i think my general point of my talk was about how sex in schools is often controversial and not taught properly and i think animation is a good way of sort of softening the blow and explaining things that are often harder to explain and things that we often leave off the educational tract about uh sex with kids, we kind of focus more on the biology of it all and not the relationships and the intimacy and the generally the more problematic side of it other than the you know it being a uh you know, a biological act that and, you know, ends in either pregnancy or disease, which seems to be the only way we're sort of taught about it. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: you will have sex and you will die.
2: <laughs> That's just how it will be. <laughs> so, okay, good.
0: So, uh, if you're following along with us, uh, we've reached the end of episode one, so it's time for our second countdown of the evening. Ooh. Uh, Can I
2: do one? Can I do one?
0: Okay. Yeah,
2: I've never done one. Ready? Okay. Three. Three.
0: Two, one, go. Yay. Right on. My goodness, I never even asked how patriarchal of me.
2: Bastard.
0: (laughs) 20 episodes in. I'm I'm the gatekeeper of the countdown. I feel
2: like we should draw some attention to the fact that they have animated fucking horses, which seems amazing to me. Like an actual horse being ridden. Multiple yeah. horses being ridden, like horses being notoriously, <laughs> like, both the hardest thing to draw, design, make, animate. So
0: when you say animated fucking horses.
2: No horses were fucked in the making of this film. Just
0: in case, also the. Look
2: at that cow! Like, look at that cow compared to the cow in, um, Old Man movie. <laughs> that just, like, is a skin sack.
0: I mean not like old man I thought, they, I thought old man cartoon movie did a fine job with that. <laughs> I skin love their cow, cow but
2: it's very different. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. It's like a sack with a cow inside. <laughs> Look at that horse. Look at it go. It's insane.
1: Yeah, they're not scared, are they?
2: No. There's yeah, some good horse action.
1: This is a, this is quite a fun beginning where they're just shutting up Geoffrey Chaucer, who's been telling a poem, so he's had his go at his tale. So uh, we're coming up to the the first tale after this uh, after these shenanigans
0: after this setup.
1: Yeah,
2: he's looking right down the barrel.
0: He
1: just broke mm. the fourth wall.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what Chaucer did, isn't it? That was his thing. Hmm. Was it? I don't know.
0: Wasn't it? I can, I'm not. Uh...
2: This one I'm not so keen on.
0: Well, it, Personally, it's- what made this is listen to this podcast waiting for us to get to this bit and their heart just broke.
1: Oh!
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just the old man. He coops me out. Who's is this one?
1: Uh, it's okay, he's dead. Uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, this is uh, Christmas Films again, so they're, they're doing their 2D work as well. So it's, uh, you can Valeri, see that, uh, can't Ugarov. you, in the
2: designs. They're very similar to the stop-motion ones.
1: Mm, yeah. It's like
2: the stop-motion ones, but in 2D. <laughs>
1: mm. But it can, they kind of push through that caricature. I think that's another good thing to, uh, worth noting about the, uh, the stop-motion is because there is that amazing... Uh, the caricatures are, are incredible.
2: Yeah, they're kind of odd. They're kind of like a halfway house between being characterised and being quite realistic. Like They're that low level of character where it's like technically everything is in the right place but everything's just a little bit... It's like very subtle characterised mm. rather than like, say, if Aardman had done it and it would be very much in the Aardman style and very much exaggerated and stylized. Yeah. I think it's because this story is particularly unpleasant.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell us about the story.
2: I'm trying to remember it. But I just remember it being a bit bleh.
1: Is this this the one with the the old man and uh he marries finally and some young lad decides he wants to go.
2: Mhm. I think he marries like oh my god. Um <laughs> <laughs> he just marries a really young girl and it's just a bit pe- this bit yeah.
0: This kind of feels like one of those cartoons you'd have to watch as a kid waiting for the cartoon you liked to come on. This is like the
2: flip (laughs) side of The Wife of Bath. Look at the balls on that cat. (laughs) This is like the the male ego version of The Wife of Bath. Oh my God. (laughs) That drawing is so scary. They're all like, I just, I remember this sequence a lot. Like her arms being like crazy long. I think it's always just weird like that particular era of fashion was strange where um women weren't like showing their hair and it just makes her look like an alien and also like she's got a neck injury. This is a really genuinely quite good like it's quite a funny story but I just it's very creepy. I feel like I've drawn this story before as well And I forget why
0: You've drawn it?
2: Yeah Like I said, I've, I've been given The Chaucer Tales as a project brief Like multiple times in school Oh, okay
0: Like it's an illustration, isn't
2: it? Yeah I feel very strongly Like I drew Her in a tree at some point And
1: that's coming up Both
2: Why is he Was wearing it- a flannel?
1: Was it Canterbury or was it Cambridge you went to university?
2: Yeah, Cambridge.
1: Cambridge. I get mixed up.
2: Doesn't he also kind of remind you of... Um, oh, what was it called? That children's TV series in the 90s? Uh, Horrible Tales to Tell Gruesome Children or something like that? I think that was it's a little after my time. It was a little bit after your time. But it looks a bit like that. He He looks a bit like the cinema guy. This is essentially like a chastity rope.
0: <laughs> this guy's stripy tights.
2: It's just really creepy. This story. Are these Greek gods?
0: So <laughs> what's going on?
2: Uh, she's having an affair with this guy under her husband's nose, but her husband—the husband
0: the old man—yeah,
2: but the husband's a bit creepy and pervy. I mean, she is married to him but like, you know back then it wasn't necessarily a choice
1: Ageism Every year I get older I'm I'm more and more against ageism
0: I'm more and more for it (laughs) Every year that passes I'm actually getting younger and more (laughs) hip
2: That line was so bad It said women strumpets the lot of them so, I think these are meant to be the Greek gods.
0: Oops!
2: Fucking hell. placement. <laughs> pear placement.
0: Um, I don't think I've ever seen a pear that exact shape. What? I haven't <laughs> lived. shape of balls. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a Russian thing, scrotal pears. There's a
2: very scrotal undertone to this entire
0: film. This yep. is a tree of bollocks.
2: Yeah, they're, That's they're screwing in, in this the bollock tree. <laughs> And he's just like, ah, oh, she's getting me some pears. How lovely of her! It's <laughs> raining. Expression. And he, she's really happy about it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. would anyone? He be? goes blind, and now they give her him sight so he can see what's happening in
1: the tree. Oh, those
2: those pesky gods! He's,
1: he's looking up, and he's going, "Are those bollocks or are those pears? Why can't
0: both be true?" Uh, <laughs> okay. She's blind. Jesus, they love blinding people, these guys. What a pair of dicks.
2: Oh, no, wait. No, she gave him... They gave her insight. Oh. So that she came up with a good excuse as to why. We were just wrestling in this tree. So she's giving
0: her ideas. So they just, like, giving this guy a hard time. Yeah. So why do they hate him so much?
2: Uh, they're just gods. They were like that. It's a bit like in, um what's it called? Summer Night's Dream, where they're just like, eh, oh, love triangle.
0: Uh, for their own <laughs> entertainment.
2: Yeah, there's the whole thing with the Greek gods and the Roman gods of being like... <laughs> of just, like, toying with humans for their entertainment. Like, that was the point of us.
0: To so me, does the pacing slow down a bit after the Joanna Quinn segment? Mm. <laughs> I think it's just because that was the bit I was waiting for.
1: Yeah, we just kind of, uh, we are just sort of running the numbers We've now, so aren't we? So many
2: shots of the Wife of Bath's ass, and so. I like, swear, most of, of the most of
1: the uh, budget went on.
2: It just had that.
0: Jesus, it's a long time to st- construct
2: this. His as ass. well. Like that is some good stomach hair. You
0: can get your money's worth.
2: Oh, corpse. Oh, and flagellation. Why?
1: It's all part and parcel of medieval life.
2: When somebody dies, whip yourself. That's that's the, uh, that's the system. <laughs> that's the deal. That's the dealio.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> la, 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 la.
1: So this is the, the partner's tale. Uh, the... A pardoner—I don't know if you know much—is a a person who would go around with little scrolls saying that they were from the Vatican, and they'd sell you them to absolve you of sin. Yeah. So if, if you but did something, but were they lying? Well, they could have been. I mean, it sounds like a really cushy job. So like going up to somebody with a piece of paper and saying, "Here's your certificate for sleeping with your wife and not going to hell." Now, fine. There you go. And they're like, great, I've got a piece been... of paper that lets me off.
2: I mean, other than, like, obviously all the pestilence and the dying at the age of 30, it's been quite nice. Such a simple life. <laughs> Simply horrible, but simple. No Twitter. Ugh. That baby.
0: Yeah.
1: Has no eyes. Jesus Christ.
2: Mm, I think we picked the horror film. <laughs>
1: Isn't that baby from a Robert Morgan film?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's so It doesn't have eyelids or eyeballs.
0: Well, it was, you know, the olden days. Kids were born <laughs> we with eyes, they were lucky.
2: He's like a rat baby. They don't develop eyes until their second year. I feel like the puppets were designed completely around the size of this jar. Poor <laughs> cat. Who does this character remind you of?
0: The one who was just waving his hand. Yeah, the, the partner. partner.
2: Um,
0: Jimmy Savile.
2: Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> this guy. Um,
2: he's got a hair cod piece.
1: He's very rat-like, isn't he?
2: Yeah. Ugh.
1: The animations become. Stand? The animations become quite yeah. exaggerated now, Look hasn't at it?
2: Her boobs, <laughs> her boobs were like, a, like, what are they called? Like a clothes hanger. <laughs> Just went out <laughs> on the sides. Oh, he has eyes. That's nice. Still a
0: bit scary, though.
2: He's the cutest of all the puppets.
0: He's a low bar, to be fair.
2: The puppets are so scary.
1: I think these have been exaggerates. We're in the middle of a tale now, aren't we? So this pardoner's tale is is uh, is credited to Christmas films, obviously. So these oh, guys. I see. So go, this um, is
0: another story within.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: But what using the puppets?
1: Yeah. They're like, can you do another one? And we're like, eh, all right, sure. Let's <laughs> get the sets back out. Did you ever watch any of the animated tales from around the world?
0: No. Ben? Um, the other
1: series? Yeah. Well, I expect
0: so. I, I can't say I was a devotee, clearly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when did it run?
1: Oh, around about this time.
0: Animated Tales of the World, was
1: it? Yeah, Tales of the World. Let's see if any of it rings familiar. Animated Tales from Across the ro- World. Not Across the Road, that would be uh, yeah, number 11. oh wow
0: 2001
1: so you S- had uh, to, oh channel 4 yeah so you had like Mike Mort's uh, Ant Tiger Um. Uh, and the same director who's directing this uh, Sergei uh, Oli Ferenko ignore the pause um, did uh, uh, Persephone ah that's another good anthology project.
0: This I isn't ringing a single bell. No. No? This would would have been sort of, I guess, right when I was finishing up secondary school and about to go into uni. And I think my attentions were way more on, like, design and MoGraph and stuff. And I think I'd kind of moved a little bit away, very briefly, but a little bit away from, like, animated series. Mm-hmm. Um Although the dryness, perhaps, of the subject matter might not have appealed to me at seventeen or eighteen, either, yeah. But uh, I'd probably enjoy them now. Did you think Mike Mott was involved in this one?
1: Uh, he was, yeah. Well, he was um, producer of uh, one of the the last ones, so the, the the Miller and the Reeves tales that we see in the in the third episode. Uh, were directed by um, I'm, I'm sorry I can't pronounce the uh, the, the name I've, I've only ever seen it written down um, uh, Niel, uh Morris uh, but yeah that's when they were doing uh, ARG animation so when uh, they were doing like um, GOGS and things like that
0: yeah
1: and it comes back, it comes as a very recognisable style and I think it's the only other stop motion in the whole of the three series uh, three episodes yeah. um, so and it's very distinctive because obviously it's um, that kind of uh, madcap uh, wacky animation that those guys were um, known for it's funny he'll this occasionally
2: is so over the top yeah it's a bit um, what's his name tea for toilet guy
1: oh uh, Lee Hardcastle yeah <laughs> well that would be good if they did a modern version of this because there's still plenty of Canterbury tales left to be told and they could, invite, uh, <laughs> they could invite Lee Hardcastle to do one yeah the man who died on the toilet's tale
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he would step up to the plate
1: yeah <laughs> the Simpsons murdering everybody tale
0: just have them all be web animators, get Syriac to do one. Yeah. Jaunty <laughs> on the case. The tale of the badges. <laughs> occasionally Mike will put up old things he worked on. And uh, those always ring a bell because a lot of them are commercials and as soon as I see like the first couple of seconds I'm like of course this is one of his. Like is it's there are let's say recurring themes that are pretty ever-present in a lot of <laughs> his work. Um, that's quite a good thing, I guess, to be identifiable over decades. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember Gogs when it was on, again, it would have been that that sort of, I guess, period where I, I kind of was... I remember being aware of it, but didn't actually watch it for a little while. Um, and Rex the Runt as well. That That was one that I kind of... Deprived myself of And I don't know why It wasn't like I felt like Snobbish about it It just I don't know It wasn't really Pinging in my head But Rex Eventually won me over Except for That one Woman who clearly Didn't want to be there Doing the voice
1: So Where are we now? Um Where am I? What's going on? <laughs> um yeah, I remember, I remember um, Rex the Runt was uh, when that first came out and it seemed to sit, occupy a space that I think I might have been too, um, maybe too uh, young for and it was quite a mature thing or, or maybe I was in that sort of little stage where you're kind of, it wasn't Wallace and Gromit maybe and that might have uh, put me off slightly.
0: Yeah, that sort of slightly unfamiliar tone. It kind of occupied a bit of a, a no-man's land between the sort of established family-oriented animation and the kind of rising trends of adult animation because it didn't really... It wasn't super provocative as a show, Yeah, you know? Um, it had some vaguely, like... I don't know if you'd even call them edgy moments, but... Um, Uh, you know it wasn't completely for kids but at the same time it was pretty light fare and I think that was sort of you know when you're a teenager I think you're kind of seeking out more stuff that was either going to be provocative or make you think more um, or just make you you know um, go for yourself Um, and that stuff inevitably didn't really hold up nearly as well This kind of reminds me of um, that film. uh, I think the English translation was Hair. Was it called Poils? Well? Do you know what I mean? No, no,
1: no, I don't remember it.
0: The colors and the line work. Yeah, I know. Let me see if I can look it up. It really, now that it's kind of in my head, it's really ringing familiar. Um, It was a film um, that we have definitely talked about on intimate animation. about among other things, um body hair. <laughs> Delphine Hermann. It's a Belgian film. And yes yeah, uh, P O I L S. And it came out in two thousand thirteen? Can't be that old, surely. Really? Huh, Going right weird. To Google.
2: We even talked about it in like the last year or so. It must have been part of like some showcase.
0: Came out on Vimeo in 2015. Oh,
2: that's ages ago still. Yeah.
0: That's five years ago. But yeah, if you kind of look at the...
2: Yeah, no, I see... The colour, you're...
0: but like I'm holding up the Vimeo of this other film right next to this. It's very, and it's so similar. Yeah, it's very, very similar. Wow. Yeah,
2: it's incredibly similar. It's
0: almost like syncing up. Yeah, <laughs> so doing, like there's a guy lying in bed as the guy in the yeah. film is lying in bed. Weird.
1: Was it, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't anything to do with the film that you're talking about. It wasn't anything to do with uh, Picasso pictures, was it?
0: I don't know. Actually. I mean, it seems, now that I'm looking at it, it seems like um, it must have drawn from a similar well. Hmm. Um, let's see if there's any kind of, like, discernible connection. I got the impression that the director was relatively young. Um,
2: it would be an amazing thing if this person hasn't seen this.
0: She's you you're not much older than me, so I mean I'm not claiming to be young. But um, great women animators. Let's see if there's anything in her bio.
1: So yeah, this one was uh, was directed by uh, Damien Gascoigne of um, Picasso Pictures. Um we also directed a film called Careful and uh, Muso Soup, but um I'm not I'm not entirely sure if he directed or had anything to do with the film that you're talking about currently. Uh
0: no, I don't think so. Um Yeah. Certainly he didn't direct it. Um mm-hmm. but uh maybe Delphine was a protege of his, or maybe she just you know, came up with the style. Uh any sort of parallel sense. Hmm.
2: It is weird how thing you can be watching things from your past and be like, "Oh my god, I literally used that exact same style frame." <laughs>
1: yeah. It's all that you Does- get in, you get influenced by things, don't you? And and you don't knowingly do it. I mean, we've talked about this on the the podcast before, where people actually just do it and just copy straight off. But um, some people are influenced by things that sort of lurk in the back of their minds, and I think a lot of that kind of this the, the thing we're watching now i've not watched for well over a decade but um i can recall most of it i've obviously watched the wife of bath quite recently but um yeah
0: it's a weird thing though when it kind of like raises its head and the big fear when you you know work in the arts or entertainment or whatever is you don't want to be seen to be plagiarizing anyone and when someone does it and they get caught, it's a bit of a scarlet letter thing. Like mm. like that guy who just... Um, he did it, Was it PlayStation he didn't add for and He just traced a bunch oh, of other people's work?
1: Yeah. People. yeah. What?
0: yeah. Um, but I my second... My, yeah, it was the, my first film after I graduated was this tiny little, like, two-minute film. And the opening 30 seconds of the original version... I, sh- I played it in a few pub- public screenings, and a guy came up to me. and Goes, "Oh, I like that. It really reminded me of." And I think it was a PlayStation commercial, twistingly enough, uh, or Xbox maybe. But um, and he described it to me. So like, that does sound like the beginning of my film. So I looked it up, and it was shot for shot, exactly <laughs> the same. It was it was actually a bit like, but I, I I had never seen this before. But I got so like paranoid about it. I changed the whole beginning of my film because. Like, maybe I did. Maybe I saw it and I was drunk, or I saw it and I forgot. Or, and I remember, like, kind of, I would sort of dissect my creative process when I came up with the idea originally, and how I had been thinking of other things I'd seen, but they weren't that commercial, and I was kind of, like, you know, putting my spin on them, that sort of thing. The The opening sort of premise is basically a woman very aggressively giving birth to a baby that kind of flies out of the window of the hospital. And that was, um, that was, you know, the PlayStation commercial. That's not how it plays out in my film anymore, but like Mm -hmm. that initial edit of it, you could put the two things together and with not much editing, it would sync up. And like the framing of the shots and everything, it would creep me the fuck out. (laughs) And there's this, there's a video game called uh, little nightmares and, Uh, A guy I know was talking about his partner's student film and how freaked out she was when this game came out. She had done this student film that was essentially about this sort of little girl or child kind of wandering around these creepy, like, pipes and um, uh, uh, air vents and things like that. And she had this yellow Mac on. And the concept art and the stills from her student film are exactly like screenshots from this game. And there was no situation she could imagine where anyone who worked on the game would ever have seen her film. And that's, you know, you'd, it, but it makes you wonder when it's so similar.
1: Um, well, if you're wearing, if you, oh, we've, uh, we've finished the, uh, the films. Uh, so we? we're on to film three of three. So, um,
0: Laura, would you care to take the lead again?
2: Yeah. Three, two, one. Go. Play.
0: There we are. The journey so far. Little recap.
1: So this this film was made in uh, 2000. The other two were made in 1998, and then I think there were. Uh, well, they needed to finish the journey, <laughs> um, and so they uh, they they brought them back. The last one ended. Uh, and we saw they just got to uh, to Canterbury, and now this one's uh, the uh, the road home.
0: So were they then, were they made in that sort of staggered way or were they like broadcast, um, spread apart?
1: I, I'm pretty sure I saw this in, in 1998. I'm pretty sure I saw it right, way way back then and saw both of them. Because um, I can't remember this third one. Um, oh, okay. It's not something that... that- that, that kind of you know it passed me by, and you can see the production is different. The pr- production quality is different. The production kind of it looks like there's a much better camera being used, even on this beginning bit. Um, there's uh, you know more effects. If we look closely at the puppets, they they could be uh, either you know refurbed or whether I don't, I'm not I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm trying I'm playing a guessing game without any of the pieces because there's literally there's very little written about this series, there's very little to yeah. go on.
0: There's an energy oh, yeah. to this um, fighting and posturing and stuff like that that seems a bit more dynamic than what we'd seen previously. Mm. Some sort of snappier movement. Well, that uh-huh.
1: camera's we moved there as well. You know, that's a, that's mm. a, a real rig.
0: Yeah. Which
1: I guess they didn't really
0: have going on in the other ones, now that I think about it.
1: Mm and and that dust those that dust with the uh the cockfight uh going on now
0: well yeah. i'm guessing ge- uh, this isn't a super yeah <laughs> ew it's good for you
2: Not roar really. it
0: this isn't a super defined truck this we is had kind of dvd quality what two. we're watching so i'm guessing there's made it's some like you know overlays and digital stuff happening a little bit as well mm. Um, but it's also because of that, you know, wonderful thing about SD broadcasts is it it covers up a lot of hurt. Yeah. So you can get away with a lot more, and you can combine things a bit more effectively. Um. It's just had really you know, overall. It feels more like the the movement quality at this point reminds me a little bit of Barry Purvis almost. Yeah. You know the way he kind of. He gets these very smooth movements out of these um, out of his puppets that don't—they're not clunky and they don't jank around. They can be at times fairly sort of A to B to C, but there's a lot of like effort that goes into making that m- each movement quite smooth and satisfying. And I'm seeing a lot more of that in this sequence than I had seen in the previous two episodes where they are kind of like juddering a little bit from pose to pose. Mm.
1: Maybe they were using um, a... Well, I don't know if it's not... Maybe they had more playback on this one. Maybe they had uh, playback facilities rather than having to uh, rely on negatives and things like that. And, uh, you know, perhaps they had a, a software that could help with that.
0: Yeah, this would be around the sort of time mm. that... These types of productions would have more of, I guess, a switch to digital like that. Um,
2: There's a certain like robot chickenness to the animation; (laughs) like everything feels like a toy.
1: So, uh, this is the uh, Canon Servant's Tale. Um, Sorry, no. This is the This is the Squire's Tale. Uh, it's by uh, uh, Jumping Jack in uh, London, so that's uh, Ian Gardner directing this, and it's mm. very similar in terms of style and such to uh, Akbar's Cheetah, which he directed uh, previously. Really nice stuff.
0: Yeah, it feels very familiar.
1: Mm. And he's just sent me through an email now <laughs> telling me about it. I did. My goodness. I did. I did connect with That's some creepy. of Yeah. I did connect with some of the directors before and saying, look, uh, have you got, have you got time to tell me about what happened during the film? <laughs> like pestering them. Um, and, uh, yeah, Ian, uh, uh a, a good friend of Squiggly, uh, uh, got straight back in touch. Um, to tell us about this making of uh, the Squire's Tale. Um and yeah, he, he he talks a little bit about the uh the fact that he was asked back because the first two instalments had already had their Oscar run and their BAFTA recognition. Um and so uh he was th- th- I think Akbar's Cheetah, the film that he 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 worked on as well, was the reason that he was uh chose to do Squire's Tale. Um because they were both about um, you know mythical eastern rulers and this is a tale about Genghis Khan so uh, yeah and he says here uh, I certainly remember researching character design at the British Museum god British Museum Uh, Google it mate Uh, and uh, generally (laughs) looking back uh, I'm a little worried these early films uh, could be done for cultural misappropriation I don't think so don't think we're going to do you for that Ian
0: I did hear that Genghis Khan has been cancelled <laughs> recently because apparently he was a rotter. Really? So maybe this kind of
1: contentious
0: subject matter might uh, might land a modern director in uh, hot water.
1: Oh, fingers crossed it won't. A
0: product of its time.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, interestingly, says here, due to the early success of The Canterbury Tales, I recall that the directors of the third instalment... Uh, had to waive any recognition which may come in favour. Alright, oh, See, so it appears there was a, um, uh, a artistic, uh, artistic differences because the, the director or the executive director, as he was called, uh, Jonathan Myerson, um, wanted responsibility for most of the success because apparently he was wanting the success of BAFTA and Oscar Nods. I don't know how much of this I should be reading out. Um, Never mind. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's history.
1: It's history now. Don't worry. It's a million years ago. Um, But yeah, his influences at the time were Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, which led to the triple sword fight at the climax, and and The Matrix, (laughs) the the bullet time. God, this really is 1999,
0: (laughs) 2000. Does that have a place at man alive?
1: (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Fair, dude. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard
0: anyone cite The Phantom Menace as an influence on anything.
1: <laughs> it once influenced somebody to walk out of the cinema. Um, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. What else have we got here? I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to read out because uh, I think I've, he's probably already off to animation prison after reading that last bit out. Although the director, uh, Jonathan Myerson, I think he did this. This was the only animation he did. And then uh, he just has gone on to do uh, other things. I don't think he does anything to do with animation anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, the animation trace and paint was done by Animo at Spider-Eye. Uh, I was done on Animo. Gosh, I remember using Animo. My first animation job was done on Animo. What a pain in the backside. Um at, uh, don't even know what it is. It's, a, it's, it's like a software that you f- you colour in the first cell and then you colour in the last cell and it will colour in the, the bits in the middle so it will trace and go through. Yeah. Uh, wow. Except it won't. <laughs> so <laughs> of course. so uh, yeah, and you had to make sure that everything you scanned in was pristine and perfect, and it never was because uh, yeah, it was. Don't take me back there. I don't want to go back there. <laughs> um, thank God for Tomb Boom and uh, TV paint.
0: Colouring is so nice with the characters. Beautiful, isn't it? The kind of blotches of paint that the features just kind of hover around it. It's a really nice approach.
1: And the texture as well which we can just about make out mm. but yeah apparently spider eye uh, were in the middle of uh, comping michael do dr Witt's father and daughter at the same time so um ian spent a lot of time with uh with michael but michael actually uh i didn't read out earlier on he was actually one of the animators on on the knight's tale the one that we looked at earlier on with the gods mm. um but yeah that had michael do and um uh, Grant Orchard and uh, Ann uh, robot amongst many others, uh, animating on it. There's a real kind of, like I said earlier on, there's a, a sort of a who's who of uh, of animators on this. I think Robin Shaw animated on the Franklin's Tale that we saw earlier on. The one that he said was like um, another animation.
0: Right, the one with the kind of stark line work.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this one had uh, Roger Mainwood again, uh, Peter Dodd, um, and uh, Hilary Aldis. Uh So more kind of uh, Ethel and Ernest and uh, Lupus Films alumni uh, working on this one as well.
0: Hmm. There you go. I like that sort of masking thing. Mm. There you go.
1: It's beautiful 2D, isn't it? It's, you know, when you have something styled <laughs> yeah. like this, it doesn't need to flow as as well as it does but it does it flows incredibly well and you know great use it's very watchable yeah we're just watching it that's how watchable it (laughs) is it happens it does
0: it's the uh, the peril of this podcast we uh, we do occasionally get sucked in less than I would have expected when we started doing this I have to admit yeah
1: When I mean, you said you were a, a big fan of of Chaucer, Laura. Do you do you, remember, do you remember kind of much about the stories and 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 everything else? How was it? How does this translate as a uh, as an overall uh, thing? Are these, are these short stories being shortened? Have they been edited? What's what what what's it like as a as a Chaucer f- fan? I'm going to call you a Chaucer super fan and put you on the spot.
2: I'm not really sure. I don't really remember.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: <laughs> right, your Trosser fan club right. stripes have been
1: revoked. <laughs> we'll take your curly shoes and your, your rough...
2: The problem is, is whenever you... Mm, sorry, wait for the ghetto to go by.
1: It's all right, it's a live podcast. They've ruined it already.
2: The problem is, whenever you see adaptions of Trossers, they don't do every story. Hmm because there are a lot <laughs> yeah so depend like some stories like i've you know like the wife of bath is always a favorite so that one always gets retold so that one i remember really well mm. and the one the chicken i remember really well but some of the others i don't remember at all like that one i don't remember at all probably because it just it didn't do anything for me some of them i found too like a little bit long and a lot of them are a bit more like fables, so they kind of stick a little bit more in your mind. Like the chicken one always sticks in my mind because it's more like a fable because it has like a moral. Yeah. Um, and some of the others are just like anecdotes.
1: Hmm. Like,
2: okay. Um, And some of them go on a bit. <laughs>
1: so. why, why was that? Was that like just Chaucer just kind of just thinking, oh, I can't be bothered finishing this and I'll go into something else.
2: I think it was just storytelling. It's the yeah. same as now. Like, not every story is the same. Some are more f- set out like fables and a more fucking hell. Jesus Christ. What's going on in Bristol? Son- I don't even know what that siren is. It's like dog rescue. <laughs> <laughs> what
1: is that one? Well, thank God it's the <laughs> loudest siren. You do a dog in Bristol. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um... Yeah, it's, it's more, I think it's just to do with storytelling, isn't it? And just that some of them, you know, some stories are just sort of like, people are bad and some have morals and some of them are, you know, I assume they didn't actually get a story about an actual chicken. Mm. It's more just a framing device for a mor- morality tale. Do
1: you mean that the chickens weren't real?
2: <laughs> but yes, I'm not a, a Chaucer expert, I know some of the stories Quite well, but most Not all of them Is this the Is this the Mort one?
0: Uh, the segment Might not yeah. produce Yeah Um
1: there's there are two there are two. There's the Miller and the Reeves tale, and I'm not sure which one this is. This could this could well be it's kind of effortlessly blended, hasn't it, from the um from the, the segments into into what could be a tale. We're not watching this with the sound on because we're very rude.
0: There's a slightly different design sensibility to some of the faces, but mm. the thing is within the Russian segments the face designs have been hugely inconsistent, so
2: there's also a thing with their eyes is that when they did the earlier version in the second episode, which was the fab- you know, one of the stories within the Russian style, their eyes were very different, and I don't know why, but that the eyes are just strange comparatively to the other normal puppets. Mm.
1: Right.
2: So, like, I guess they, they actually had, like, proper eyeball-ball eyes.
0: Eyeball-balls. Well, these faces...
2: Like, he's very new.
0: Yeah, these feel kind of, um... familiar. The, uh, the outdoor characters, which I'm not sure if they're gonna, uh, reappear soon. But, um...
2: That was a weird sque- screen wipe, wasn't it? Mm. Transition between the two. That feels very um, 90s.
1: Well, that was Star Wars. All the, all the Star Wars films have a, have a ridiculous kind of wipe between them. It's like really... Sort of
0: star wipe. Star wipe. <laughs> I, I did watch one of those films, and I think star wipe is a pretty accurate <laughs> descriptor.
2: This makes you think of stars in your eyes, and they would be like, this week, Cheryl from Newport will be... Share
0: oh. <laughs> Big sort of glittery transition
2: mm-hmm. I'm surprised Stars in Your Eyes hasn't come back With all the Re
0: So this guy with like the big nose the um, He's new The younger guy as well It's a kind of sort of Who's the Mad Magazine mascot? Was it
1: Alfred? Something? Yeah, New, um, new or Something?
0: Yeah. Um, there's <laughs> a quality that I find in, um, for example, you know, Mike Morts' uh, style to design, style of design that's kind of overdrawn, over detailed, um, as far as what the economics of stop motion you know, would ideally lend themselves to one. You kind of want to, you know, not necessarily have a shit ch- ton of details to keep track of in your facial expression and stuff. Hmm. Um, but people like Mike Morton and his people like Will Vinton before him, they were like, nah, let's just give him big rosy people. cheeks and, <laughs> you know, freckles and asymmetry and all sorts of stuff. And you're fair play. It's a It's a good end result. But, you know, I just look at it and I see the labor. Um, But yeah, there was, uh, I think the character that's kind of at the back here with the sort of um, waggly bits coming off his... uh, He's just put his hand on the shoulder. Um, That feels more sort of Western. Um, So I would guess this wasn't... Oh, no, then there's this guy again. Yeah, I'm all I'm all turned around. I the have jar, no idea who's doing the what.
2: Beard from the other one. But look at his mental eyes.
0: <laughs>
2: like he's changed since the first two. Oh, here we
0: go.
1: There you go.
0: There we go. Hello. That just drop kicked the ambiguity out the fucking window. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me trying to discern minutiae and subtleties I and think design disparities. Been done by no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We okay. I think tits what, <laughs> we're give all it on away. the same page now. Let me go back to the. <laughs> it's not seamless, in terms of uh, existing in the. Oh, this is a story being told now? Yeah. 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 Okay. Right. No, it's. It's. it's <laughs> Well, the thing is, because when it's stop motion, the delineation between the story is also the fact that they keep going
2: back and forth between the two, which they didn't do in the original two either. Yeah, it was just like and his story. Yeah. Jesus.
0: Oh
1: my god, that that is a horse and a (laughs) half.
0: I like how they all kind of look the same. Yeah, they've all got. Are they all meant to be like related?
2: I think they've just used the same
0: mold. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Different hats. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, even the horse <laughs> is the same. It's yeah. it's really interesting as well, though, because obviously at this time, um, Arg were busy working on commercials and things. And if you look at the pacing of this animation and the camera angles and things, the you know the broadness of the animation and the design, it is very commercial. Hmm. When was
0: uh, celebrity death match? Would that have been around this sort of time?
1: Ooh, good question. I remember that. So, because uh, that was, I mean college different... time, probably.
0: I know it had like different versions of it in different countries and stuff, but um, that seemed kind of cut from.
2: Uh, the of... baby.
1: <laughs> Fuck my <laughs> life! That excited. baby is
2: horrific. <laughs> uh, yeah, celebrity. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like it at all? It's a potato, baby.
1: Celebrity Deathmatch was between. uh, Well, it started in nineteen ninety-eight. So yeah, it would have been uh, uh, right in the middle of um, of this, really. Um, It's odd if you look at the tabs that are open on my internet. I've got Canterbury Tales and Celebrity Deathmatch. I've got the whole spectrum of culture. It's uh, it's incredible. (laughs)
0: Well, I believe Celebrity Deathmatch was also Chaucer.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Chaucer versus Caxton. There's one they didn't do. (laughs) (laughs) Such great, exaggerated animation.
0: A lot of stuff, of course, it's all ones. Yeah. Focus on, on, you know, making it as labour-intensive as possible. Um...
1: I do think that this is, is this plasticine? Is this, what, what's going on here? The, these lips are massive. This must be... Um, no, this is
2: rubber puppets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The way that it slides sure. on the teeth.
2: Just because if it was plasticine, I think you'd be able to get a lot more expression out of the face. But there's a, yeah. there's a weight to the jaw. Like, that's like everything is being put into that to make it stay closed or open. Mm. I think you can see the mechanics in the mouth. In the corner. Yeah. They're little pedal mouths, aren't they?
0: Uh Like cats having a day.
1: <laughs> they all These... look like Mick Jagger. They all like various stages of Mick they Jagger's life. They look
2: like, um, what's it called, that show that Factory does, like Spitting Image, but not New Zoids.
1: New... Uh, is it's it Newsoids? News
0: um, 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 um.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm that. Hmm. Yeah, it is. The puppet show.
0: Hmm.
1: What do you make of the uh, the, the switching between two styles, of stop motion? Hmm.
0: Well, it's, uh, um. I think
2: I would have maybe preferred it if it was a a, a bigger leap. Like clearly, it's not the same style, but it's mm. still the same kind of puppet making. I feel like maybe if it had been like paper cut or felted yeah. or you know something that was very stylistically different, it wouldn't quite. It wouldn't feel. But I mean, this was just how you made puppets back then. Like obviously, there were other ways of doing it, but most people this is what, like, professional puppet making looked like. So, mm. maybe it was less of a... I, and also, it would have just been a choice thing, but I think if it had been, like, a nowadays, if it had been, like, a Needle for Alter sequence or a Silhouette, Lottie Reiniger esque sequence or, you know, just something very, very different. Yeah. Because now there's just so many different ways you could do puppets. And there was back then as well, I guess, but... Or if it had been plasticine. Something that differentiated in it. Because also I don't really understand what the re- the reliance of telling it in the era and the time period the stories actually were in was. I-, I wonder if that was part of the brief. Like it had to be set then, but like they couldn't do like a modern reading of it or a slightly different era or a different ethnicity reading of any story i think
1: think it's because it relies on the bed doesn't it i remember this story it relies on the the fact that it's about bed swapping and things but which confused a lot of people i think Uh, i might be completely wrong but um it, (laughs) um, it, it confused a lot of people at the time that um you know how would he not know that he's not in the right bed how would he not? How would how would the Miller not know that that's that's not his bed? That his wife's gone to a different bed. But yeah. at the time, beds weren't as we know beds. They weren't like you know four posters or anything like that. They were just, especially at, you know, if you were uh, working in a farm or something like that, you'd sleep on the floor. You'd just you know, bunch up some hay. It'd be as simple as that. There was no bedroom. You know, everyone would sleep in the hall.
0: It's like um, dorms.
1: Yeah, yeah, without the terror. <laughs> so yeah, all this kind of, you know, the bed-swapping humour is, uh, you know, it strives from that kind of... Bit rapey. It's the sort of 14th century... And, is and it Because yeah, pa- it
0: seems more like the participants are willing. Maybe I'm, I'm not paying enough attention to the subtitles.
1: I won't stand up in court then. But yeah, um, all that the kind of bed swap. There's been a lot of throughout this entire story. There's been a lot of fart jokes. you have just seen somebody kiss somebody's ass. You know, that's not put in to pep it up. That is that's Chaucer, isn't it, Laura?
0: I believe that's so. Like,
1: that's the humour of the time. That's the how people, the type of things that people thought were funny back then.
0: He was the Seth MacFarlane of the his yeah. day.
1: Yeah. Well, in fact, Rivalry. no. You, it, he was. He wasn't even the Seth MacFarlane. The Seth MacFarlane of the day would have been a lot worse than that. You know, he was the the you know the bog standard of the day, wasn't he? It's just that his writing survived. Farting flames, marvelous.
0: There you go.
1: Take that, Shakespeare. I guess he was the
0: um, the South Park guys of the day. Fine. fine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah Fart and fire. The one you can't <laughs> beat a classic.
2: That's not gonna be good for his burnt ass. Just <laughs> putting his ass directly in urine. I guess it's sterile.
0: Is that sort of weird frame reatery deliberate?
1: Falling down the uh, The falling. Yeah, it should be.
0: Okay. Just checking.
1: And they've made it back. Made it back to the inn. And uh, these guys aren't allowed in.
0: I'll either the rub.
1: So, so yeah, we're, we're at the end. The end of the Canterbury Tales and the end of uh, another, another season of the Squiggly Film Club. We've got the playoffs coming up next. So we'll have a, a couple of days each from each of those. Um, the films that we had uh, up against one another. So if you keep your eye on our Twitter feed, uh, not Facebook anymore, Facebook is uh, rubbish. Um, So uh, keep your eye on our Twitter feed and you'll be able to see uh, which ones you wanna vote for. So yeah. Um, So we've got Fantastic Mr. Fox versus Animal Farm. We've got Frankie Weenie versus When the Wind Blows. We've got Lies' Autobiography versus Comic Quest. And we've got Fears of the Dark versus Hotel Transylvania. So yes, it's
0: up to you folks. Do us proud. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.